Listening Dog Media. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Muddy News Media. Hello and welcome to The Offside Rule. I'm Kate Borsay, your host and your best friend in the entire world. Well, this week, back for more, the Noel Fielding of our show. It's Premier League final score and fighting talk fanatic, Lindsay Hooper. I'll take that. I'll be the Noel Fielding. Okay. Uh, Well, next, uh, she had a week off last week, but she's ready and raring to go. The elegant and sophisticated one of us. She's going to be Mary Berry, isn't she? No, she's the Pruleith catch-up. Mary Berry, so two series ago. Okay. The Pruleith of the upside rule. It is that Sky Sports News presenter Hayley McQueen. That is far too flattering, but thanks. I Mm. will take it. Yes. We just need to put some snazzy glasses on you now, don't we? Wonderful. (laughs) Well, the aim of today's show is to provide a bit of light in everything that's going on. Uh, So we won't be mentioning any C words um, or anything about fans going back into stadiums. Or We're not allowed any C words on this show. No, we're not talking about anything related to that whatsoever. Today's show is an antidote to all things grim. And it's about making you smile uh, with a bit of football themed escapism. I think we could all do with a bit of that, couldn't we? So I think we should just catch up and say hello and how are you, ladies? Actually, not to rub it in to any of uh, the football fans. Fans listening, but you did go to a game uh, with fans, Lindsay. I did, I did, uh, but who knows whether that will be the last for about six months, but we won't dwell on that. Um, what I will tell you is it felt wonderful. There, was, oh, no. there were 1,000. <laughs> it did. We're meant to be it... cheering everyone up. Well, well, I will briefly. Um, there were 1,000 fans at the Valley for Charlton versus Doncaster. That was the match I was reporting on at the weekend. And I did wonder going into that game, you know, how much noise can 1,000 fans generate, especially when they're losing 3-1? <laughs> but the answer is they can generate a lot of noise. Uh, the way that Charlton went about it, uh, they took all these measures. And, and this is why I'm going to say, and I'll say it now, I don't know whether, for the sake of football clubs lower down the league, whether there is something that can be done for fans in a in a measured way to be allowed back into stadiums. And I think these test events demonstrated that it can be done. You know, the protocols, yes, it took a long time. And I think that's what fans have to get their, their head around, is that it is going to take longer. You have to have your temperature check. You have to stand with your families in your, in your bubble groups and obviously be the two metres away from anybody else. Um, but everybody managed to get in the stadium, managed to enjoy the match and managed to go home. I say enjoy the match. Charlton fans might not have enjoyed it as much by losing. But I mean, the the fact that fans were there really gave some hope for a brief moment that that we'd start to see that integrated across across the board. And I'm disappointed that's not going to be happening now. But yeah, from being there, I can see it happening. I think if everybody can get their heads around it, if mm. if the cases can be put forward that this can be done responsibly, then maybe we'll get it back before, you know, next March or April. Several people have made the point, haven't they, that it's a bit odd that fans are allowed to watch football in pubs, mm. but not in stadiums. There was a piece um, in yeah. the paper about it within the last couple of days, just saying, look, it doesn't make sense. But, um, of course, we need to be extra vigilant. Um, on an entirely different topic, Hayley, when you're sort of feeling a bit down in the mouth, is there anything football related you like to plug into just to kind of cheer yourself up a, li- a, a, li- a little bit of positivity, perhaps? I think nostalgic games. I was 
at work the other evening and I was um, reporting into Sky News doing a sort of rare evening shift at Sky and there was a couple of hours break in between bulletins as opposed to just being live in the studio all the time and there were old games on Sky and actually it was quite nice because it felt like a novelty watching a game with fans in the stadium <laughs> for a, for the first sort of 30 seconds I was like oh I kind of forgot that I was watching something that was very different to how football <laughs> is now and then I was like I've just got to appreciate and enjoy this and you kind of remember as well what the real crowd sounds like yeah. so I think just just stepping back a little bit um, stepping away from from everything right now and it is a real shame because we all love going to football. I know I've got a lot of friends who they build up their weeks it's towards kind of football. It's part of their lifestyle, their isn't life. it? They'll go for dinner, they'll have drinks. It's an escape away from um, a tough time at work during the week. It's it's a way of getting away maybe just um, from from family troubles just for an afternoon. And yeah, I think it's just a real, real shame that a lot of people are going to be affected, not just by the not being able to watch football, but the real social aspect of it as well. Coming up, you might have noticed a bit of a bake-off theme to celebrate uh, the return of our beloved oven ready show uh, we're going to be talking about um, footballer bakes okay so when footballer makes cake uh, so get thinking about that one <laughs> uh, we're lifting up those who make the football magic happen the sous chefs of football clubs if you will uh, but before all that we're picking our star bakers sorry teams and players those who make us love football for the joy of the game for the rest of this month, this month being September 2020, you can take out a subscription to The Athletic for the frankly ridiculous price of just £1 a month. That's unrivaled football writing and analysis from the very best people in the business, a brand spanking new breaking news service and ad-free versions of each Athletic podcast, all for just £1 a month. Go to theathletic.com slash offside to get started. Well, let's start with topic one then. And um, we're going to continue on a bit of a positive note as we aim to be a bit of a pick me up for those listening ladies. And this week, it feels like we need it more than ever. So to kick things off, um, I'm looking for the football players or teams or elements of football that make you feel better. Maybe they bring a smile to your face. Maybe they make you stand up and applaud their brilliance. Who brings the joy, the football joy into your life? Um, and you probably can't pick your own team, by the way. Um, Hayley I don't have a particular team that makes me happy for many years it was Manchester United and then of course I had Middlesbrough as my second team I am also a big fan of Real Madrid so I just thought if I pick another team I'm just going to be laughed at but what I do <laughs> love are the small teams that do big things in cup competitions and this week there have been a couple of stories which have made me smile and a couple of stories which should give other people hope if you're planning on maybe thinking about putting a football team together and you know hoping that it does well well hashtag united yes crazy name i know um have done just that as have newark newark town um have had an outstanding run so far in the fa cup they followed up a 4-0 win and another massive win as well with a 5-0 win over uh, Russian and Diamonds. I'm sure many people listening would have heard of Russian and Diamonds, but maybe not Newark Town. They're two tiers below Russian and Diamonds. But yeah, they raced into a three-love lead um, after just 22 minutes and yeah, made sure of a 5-0 win at the Len Salmon Stadium in Essex, which I think is... Um, quite an amusing stadium name so 
There was also hashtag United. They'd also come through qualifying rounds and, and live to fight another day in this competition. This was obviously set up by Spencer FC, the big YouTuber, um, who was super, super popular, decided to make up his own football team. There's lots of information about them uh, online. Go and have a ha- have a bit of a look. Yes, they've had quite a few celebrity guests playing in these big matches and they have had a lot of attention because he is obviously so huge and has such a massive following on social media. But the fact that not only did they just decide to set up a team, but they've set up a team that could go and take on one of the big boys in the FA Cup. I just think it's a lovely story that gives people hope that if they want to just go out there and put their team um, forward and try and qualify for a national tournament, then just like, why not? Why not? I mean, look at Newark Town. Who on earth have heard of Newark Town? You might have, Lindsay, because they're from the Midlands. I have heard of Newark, yes. Um, But I I understand exactly what you mean, because when I was starting out, I was an announcer at lowly Chasetown FC, and they went on a cup run, and it was when Dave Jones was a manager of Cardiff, and Cardiff City came to little Chasetown, and I remember it just being this huge, huge story locally. It means so much to them, and um, yeah, the the underdog is definitely something that brings Mm. a smile to people's faces. And if you take that to the, the absolute level of the Premier League, then surely something that brought a smile to everyone's faces. And I think if you go around the world, that everyone's second team, if you go on holiday, is it's Leicester City because they won the Premier League as an underdog. And that is the the real story, isn't it, of, of a team showing that it can be done, giving faith to everybody else. People like me that support Wolverhampton Wondrous because you think <laughs> one day... It you haven't happen. done so badly. Um, listen, I thought it was joyous watching Tarek Lamptey for Brighton at the weekend. And it's one of those cases of, you know, someone originally at Chelsea, um, he was sold to Brighton at the beginning of this year for, you know, just a few million quid, three million quid or something, 19 years old. And if you watched him at Newcastle, it was just sheer joy because, you know, it's it's so easy sometimes to get caught up in big mm-hmm. name signings. It's mm-hmm. so easy to get caught up in the in the commercialization of the game and the and the and the transactional side of it but here is you know a kid a very talented kid just absolutely living his best life on the pitch he's fast his energy but really good end product as well but when you just see someone run riot and absolutely look like they are loving playing the game and and you know they are a joy to watch aren't they so I just thought you know fair enough he put a smile on my face when I watched that game even though Newcastle were awful one of the lovely things when you've been working in football for several years, and Haley, you'll know from when you were at Middlesbrough and at United as well, um, and Kate, you worked at Chelsea for some time, is that you, you hear of the names of young players coming through. In fact, we touched on this from watching the Spurs documentary, All or Nothing, when, mm. Kate, you really got invested in Tanganga, didn't you? Because you wanted <laughs> I, him I to do it. really well. I love and the story. I, I think that brings a smile on people's faces. So when I was at Liverpool Football Club, you know, Jordan Ibe was being talked about, Rian Brewster, who's part of the story at the moment in the transfer market, whether he moves away from Liverpool or not remains to be seen. But I I think you do look out for those that you know the backstory. um, And that really does bring a smile to your face because you know how hard they work. And actually this week, I I was working on a feature at Crystal Palace on one of their new signings, um, Ebere Eze, who came from the QPR Academy. And to hear his backstory and 
all of the rejection he's had, uh, the way that he's had to be fine-tuned by different coaches at QPR to be able to get him to the level that he's at now, the support network he's got and how humble he is, how everyone wants him to do really well, you can't help but get caught up in it and want them to really succeed. So that brings a smile on my face. And I have to say, there are certain players, and I wanted to just ask you both, that there's Premier League players that you watch... And you just know, and I'm going to start you off, you know that they love playing football because you can just tell on their face. So Mo Salah is an absolute definite. So any more that you chip in with? Well, I was going to give you anyway an example of of Liverpool fans (laughs) tweeting about Thiago because he's obviously bought a smile to their face. So this is what a Liverpool fan has tweeted about him. First look at Thiago, he says, he's a sexy little little reincarnation of Xabi Alonso. If he grows a handsome beard, then I may leave my wife. I've written some pretty homoerotic closing lines to this strand of thoughts and keep deleting them. But, you know, <laughs> and it's about that, isn't it? Talent, but about, yeah, you're right. Players that Players that clearly enjoy and relish playing and chase after every ball and a quick to do a throw in it's those players isn't it who you think yeah great he wants it badly she wants it badly oh yeah I wondered with you Hayley it's hard because quite a few of them will be like for example like Manchester City players obviously watching someone like I don't know Sergio Aguero just loving life I mean you're going to be loving life when you're doing what he's doing week in week out but I think a point I want to raise is just when you see names pop up that I might have um, watched many years ago, like playing for Manchester United's academy and reserves and hoping that they go on and do well. I remember the 2011 Youth Cup side, just as I was leaving Manchester United, you know, there were quite a few big names in that, including Paul Pogba. And you watched um, Luton Town the other day and Manchester United, of course, and you had, you know, Ryan Tunnicliffe, who, yes. whose career has gone in a very different direction to that of Paul Pogba, but coming up against each other again. And it's those little stories of, you know, they're rivals now, but they still like to think that they've had those memories together and they'll have a little bit of a chat about it before the game or after the game or whatever. But I get quite attached to a lot of the youngsters, particularly when I was working at Manchester United and even Middlesbrough before that and seeing where they're going, where they end up, how, how things go for them. And some of the stories aren't quite as, as, as happy as those, you know, like Paul Pogba, for example, went on to great things. But yeah, I was hoping Tunnicliffe would do something the other day and really shine because there was a lot of spotlight on him as well when they all brought up this story of the fact that these two played together and now they're up against each other Mm. in the cup. A mention for Hyung Min San, fresh from scoring four goals, Mm. um, because he is someone that plays with a smile on his face as well. I I really find him infectious to watch. And I know that you said that you can't mention your own team, but come on, Raul Jimenez. He always plays yeah, like that too. Yeah, yeah. And, and actually, this season especially, Dominic Calvert-Lewin's had such a great start to score a hat-trick as well. It's just it's just nice, isn't it, as fans to see these players who get criticised for getting paid an awful lot of money, etc. But it is good to see them look like they are enjoying themselves on the pitch. And it, and it is a great antidote as well. Um, Hayley, here's a moment that made me laugh this week. I saw, I saw some behind-the-scenes footage of Micah Richards um, turning up on the set of Monday Night Football like like with two minutes to spare because he got stuck in the Sky Sports dressing room for 90 minutes or something beforehand. <laughs> oh my goodness. This, Yep, I'm sure many of you will have heard about this story. And for those that didn't know anything about it and weren't following on social media, 
you would have just seen him pop up on Monday Night Football, getting on with things absolutely <laughs> normally, being brilliant, funny. His laugh is just great, isn't it? But yes. he'd, um, he tweeted, he got stuck in a dressing room. He'd, he'd sent out a little tweet saying, you know, I love being on Sky Sports Premier League last night, but managed to get myself locked in the changing room for 90 minutes before a show. <laughs> so a whole football um, game's worth of of minutes crazy thanks to the staff for getting me out with two minutes to spare you'd never have known so normally Dave Jones Jamie Carragher Gary Neville whoever it may be spend an hour and a half beforehand not just kind of getting ready and dressed and putting their own makeup on which is how it happens now they'll go through so much and they'll go through all the you know the points that they're going to analyze all the talking points they'll go through the technology it's a very carefully planned program as we know because it's not just discussing that night's game it's kind of summing up the weekend's events so Mika missed out on all of this whilst he was just locked in a dressing room. I wonder if they phoned him. No, no windows, no nothing. I don't know if he had his phone in his pocket and was able to call Surely not, because it wouldn't have taken 90 minutes, would it? but I think it was a, a lot of that time they were trying to get him out um, and we're having some building work done inside Sky at the moment because obviously it's quiet. There's hardly anyone in, but they had this planned building work that's going ahead and it was it was a few of the builders um, who were helping him get out of the dressing room. I don't know whether they <laughs> had to take, it, the, to take the door off in the end. Yeah, yeah no, madness. Probably. You're going to have to um, have to put a black mark on that dressing room just so that uh, so that you don't fall foul of the same problem. Well, there you go. We can all thank our lucky stars. We're not trapped in a room for 90 minutes. I hope that's lifted your spirits and put you in the mood for some football this week. Worth noting as well that with the pubs closing earlier, the Monday kickoff times are 15 minutes earlier, which you won't miss a thing. That's caused a few ripples on social media, hasn't it? Anyway, let's stick to the positive. Uh, Next up, we're celebrating the sous chefs of football. This is The Offside Rule with Kate Borsay, Lindsay Hooper and Hayley McQueen. Okay, so for topic two, we're going to send some praise the way of the people who make the magic happen. Not David Blaine. Oh, no. I'm talking about backroom staff um, and coaching teams at football clubs, because let's face it, they're the ones uh, who can really be integral to whether a club is successful or not. They can often be the fine margins, can't they? But we don't know often a lot about them. So let's shine a light on a few of them. Lindsay, let's start with you. Well, I'm not sure how many people are aware because Everton have started the season so well. But actually, in the assistant manager role, sharing it with Duncan Ferguson is Carlo Ancelotti's son, David Ancelotti. And he's the youngest assistant manager in the Premier League. He has got really good credentials on his CV. He's previously been at PSG, Bayern Munich, Napoli. He has followed his dad a little bit in the in the latter stages of his career. But you've got to remember that he has worked and observed some of the best players of our lifetimes. You know, he's watched Maldini up close, yeah, Zidane, Del Piero, yeah, yeah Inzaghi. Uh, you think about that and his dad's obviously lifted the Champions League twice as well. So I think he, he's learned a lot along the way, but he's done his badges and he's made sure that he's been a real student of the game. I know that studying football was something that he took very seriously when he realised he hadn't got the same talent as his father. And by all accounts, when you speak to people around the club, because 
that's something that I've been taking a, a real interest in doing at the moment because they've started so well. Um, apparently, the training session's very tough. He takes charge of set pieces, the strategy, individual one-on-one sessions, analysis of past matches as well. You'd think this is all the manager stuff. He is really being primed to be a number one going forward. So I'd really say watch out for da- David Ancelotti, potentially to be the next Carlo Ancelotti. Oh, I see. High claims there from you, Lindsay Hooper. I, I read a piece um, this week about Liverpool's throwing coach, and he's not just the throwing coach for Liverpool, I should point that out, Thomas Gronemark. He is Danish. He's been working with the team for a couple of seasons. In fact, when Klopp first contacted him, it was after the 17-18 season, and Klopp said, look, we've had a great season. Uh, we came fourth in the Premier League. We've reached the Champions League final, but we've lost the ball almost every time we've had a throw-in. And he'd read a piece, apparently, on um, Gronemark in Bilt, the um, German sports publication, and um, he gave him a ring and said, you have to come and see us. And therefore, uh, Gronemark started working with Liverpool. Great stats, by the way. So when Gronemark arrived, uh, Liverpool were the third worst in the Premier League on throw-ins under pressure. So their success rate was 45.4%. After Gronemark had worked with the team for a season, Liverpool were ranked as the second best team in Europe with the same parameters on 68.4%. Um, only second to FC Midtjylland who um, also worked with Grenemark. So their percentages had obviously massively improved. Um, He's employed by lots of clubs, RB Leipzig, Ajax, Ghent. Uh, He's careful um, not to coach any other clubs in the Premier League. So he doesn't doesn't want to cause awkwardness or doesn't want to compete with what he's doing at Liverpool in that way. He basically works with video analysis, um, spends two to four days of training per visit. So he visits all of these different clubs throughout the season and says that Andy Robertson and Trent Alexander-Arnold are the best throwers in modern football. He said that Andy Robinson couldn't throw past 19 metres when he started working with him. Um, And now he's working with him. The radius of Andy Roberts's throw-ins is more than 500 square metres. Wow. I was trying to ball that down and wonder if there was a misprint there, but 500 square metres. So he's basically doing great things. His stats uh, show up for themselves, works with several clubs. But yeah, it is about fine margins, isn't it, when you're at the top? And he certainly seems to have improved um, Liverpool and, you know, not not just with limited players too. He works with seven or eight of Liverpool of Liverpool's players so that it's not just dedicated people doing throw-ins and it's not just about long throw-ins, different types of throw-ins, different types of players. And I think it's, well, it's obviously really, really working for them. And a really overlooked area. I get yeah, so frustrated definitely. watching matches and throw-ins. Is that one? It uh, this, the amount of time that um, a team loses possession from a throw-in is ridiculous. So it, it's so important. I think a lot of teams could do with a throwing coach. <laughs> well, he's taken. If you're listening, <laughs> any Premier <laughs> League managers, uh, Haley. I think it's great to see some of these partnerships in football that kind of, you know survive the test of time you may have a manager who's had a player that he decides he wants to bring in because he's got the experience he might be a bit younger got the know-how has recently been involved in the game might have just completed his his coaching badges and needs a bit of a chance and then continues this relationship which is exactly what Neil Warnock and Kevin Blackwell are doing right now um they're great friends Warnock actually signed Blackwell um, as a goalkeeper for Scarborough in 1986 and it's been what nearly four 
30 years, they've pretty much worked together consistently. He was his assistant coach at Huddersfield Town, player coach at Plymouth, a goalkeeping coach at Bury. Um, he has, of course, been an assistant manager in his own right, as well as just a coach as well. Tried his hand in management himself. He was at Sheffield United. Uh, Leeds United as well, of course, Luton Town. But I just think it's lovely when you have a, a manager who trusts and relies on his number two manager and, and really places a lot of importance in their role within the backroom staff yeah. and the squad. And I think it's lovely when you have a manager that comes into a team and absolutely makes sure he's got the right people working around him, which is why I think a lot of these managers are very successful when they make sure they've got their whole unit that come with them. I yeah. know you could say when you go into a club, I remember when it happened with Manchester United when Sir Alex left and they were like, you're not going to be able to get rid of Mike Phelan. How on earth are you going to get rid of Rennie Mullenstein? You've got all these great guys, but you, you've got to understand if a manager's coming in, he doesn't have the relationship with, with these um, people as Sir Alex Ferguson did. They want to bring in their own kind of little group. But I just think if you're happy in that supporting role and that's how you see yourself, rather than just thinking, oh, I'm waiting for him to get the sack. I'm waiting for him to be kind of out of a job. And there are there are a few like that, just the kind of, you know, the, the sitting and waiting types. But I just think that's where the relationship works best when you know that you've got each yeah. other's back and, and you've got a really trustworthy relationship. Yeah, pressure shared as well, isn't it, a lot of the time? And some assistant managers do not want the pressure of being the manager and everything else, all the other circus no. that um, surrounds yeah. it. Well, still to come are any other business. And Hayley, we've got a surprise for you. Next up, though, we're going bake-off time. Yes, that music means one thing and one thing only. The Offside Rule WSL edition is back. Woohoo! And the WSL is bigger and better than ever before. Which means we need to do the same. And that's why we've got interviews with the biggest names. The brightest minds in the game. As well as all the in-depth match analysis you've come to know and love. Just search for the Offside Rule WSL edition, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Or you can find us ad-free on the Athletic app. That's the Offside Rule WSL edition, out every Tuesday. Topic three, the Great British Bakioko Off. Thank you to producer Abby for that uh, stroke of genius. The perfect antidote then to all the other horrible stuff that's been happening on our screens this week in the form of the Great British Bake Off. And never once to miss an opportunity for food and football. Uh, we at the Offside Rule are here to bring you some football-inspired bakes. So I'd like to think kind of sweet goods and cakes, really, rather than savoury stuff. Um, but we're going to go on to that in just a second. Um, I think, you know... Let's not, too, miss the opportunity to discuss just footballers and cooking, footballers and baking, um, with some baking-related football facts. Um, anyone got one of those to start us off with? Well, I've got a football injury which came from baking. And, OK, maybe not baking. Maybe Kirk Broadfoot, who was playing for Rangers at the time, wasn't baking with an egg. He was poaching an egg. But we know how important eggs are In baking. to baking. Yeah. So I'm just kind of using that as an excuse to just... Um, uh, tell the story again because he was cooking an egg 
I'm guessing he was poaching it, might have been in the microwave, who knows. It exploded in his face. I mean, it's it's not funny really, is it? But he was okay after this. And, and the, the hot water as well that was used, maybe in one of these little containers that you get where you put the eggs in and put a couple of teaspoons of water in, that scalded his cheek and he spent time... Um, in hospital and actually missed a little bit of um, oh, no. the football season because of it. he was okay afterwards. Mm. He was otherwise, you know, pretty much unhurt. But imagine having to ring up Walter Smith and saying, literally, mate, I can't come in today. I have got egg on my face, egg quite my literally. Face. Yeah. Someone else had another cooking, baking related injury. I can't remember who it is now. Um, someone who didn't, but who loves a bake is uh, Moritz Voltz, former Arsenal and Fulham defender, now assistant coach with RB Leipzig. Um, in his spare time, he writes a cooking blog, ladies, oh. um, at Fulham. Voltz used to bake cakes before games. Maybe that was his way of of, uh, preparing, of maybe um, ironing out, cooking out a couple of the nerves. Um, He used to choose a light biscuit-based cake with bananas and a dusting of green tea for matches against big names, apparently, like Arsenal or Manchester United, and a carrot cake with nuts for other teams. Don't ask about the psychology behind that one. But he used to carry his cakes to each home game on his bicycle. How very wholesome indeed. <laughs> it's fault there. Well, here's a, okay, this is a tedious link. Mark Pugh, QPR, he has a dog called Cookie. Okay. Um, Cookie's okay, well, baking. Yes, okay. Yeah, yeah. But actually, if you go on Instagram and have a look for the foodie footballer, he cooks and bakes Does and they? posts his recipes on Instagram oh. and has got quite the following. And during lockdown, obviously, when, you know, they weren't looked after with their sports nutritionists and you weren't able to go to training and, and eat your breakfast and your lunch there and have very carefully monitored foods, he was doing it at home and posting them all online. It's funny you mentioned footballers who can cook um, because back in 2011, I was given an assignment um, as a reporter to go to Stoke City and to go and interview Marco Pierre White and a couple of footballers. I didn't have much information about this day and I just thought, Marco Pierre White, what's going on? Um, but there was basically a cook-off with some of the Stoke City uh, players at the time and one of them was Peter Crouch, who was in the kitchen and I remember interviewing him about cooking and the other who ended up being crowned the winner by Marco Pierre White was Matthew Upson who is very good in the kitchen a very good chef I wonder I keep looking out whether he'll end up winning MasterChef one day (laughs) (laughs) you just you never know but yeah Anyway, apparently, um, mm. Hayley, um, a mm. lot of the Manchester United players were encouraged during lockdown to follow an Instagram page around cooking. Um, the Old Trafford Club doctor, Steve McNally, um, revealed this to The Sun a little while ago. Um, he basically said that the nutritionists had got them looking at a particular page, um, trying to get cooking lessons um, for them to be obviously, you know, practically minded, but but also for good mental health as well. He did say that there had been a few injuries related to cooking, but he doesn't oh. go into too much detail. So okay. maybe that's one to open the up odd, on another the time. Odd, the odd sliced finger. <laughs> yes, or, um, exactly. Burns. Yeah. Um, let's move on to then, just simply, let's just indulge in this and you can join in at home or wherever you're listening to this, if you're out for a walk, in the car, whatever you're doing. We would like um, footballers inspired by bakes. So I'm going to give you a couple of examples, ladies, and I want you to carry on if you can. So I've gone with Recream Bun Sterling for Raheem Stahl. Thank you. Oh. Um, Eclair Emsley. Claire Emsley. 
Scottish player. Um, my best one so far, and I and, and and I have got a few to come. I've been thinking about this a lot. Eton Messi. Oh, I got that one. Oh, Lionel Eton Messi. Yeah. Good. Lindsay, continue. Oh dear. Well, you know that I hate these ones, um, which is why I think producer Abby brings them up so often. Um, which one shall I go with? Uh, Julian spotted dicks. Yes, I've got that one too. I I have been given help. I have been given help by our producer, Abby. I was drawing a blank. I did have one that Abby has also got. I only had two myself because creatively my brain just isn't working these days. I did have Flapjack Wilshire. Jack Wilshire, yes. Flapjack Jack Wilshire. Oh, wow, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Lindsay? Aaron Lemon Curd? No, I don't. I, no, no. What? What's wrong with that one? No, it's just, just poor. It's just oh, poor. Hayley? Okay. Um, Dimitri Pyatt. Literally pie it. Yes. Yeah. Um, how about Victoria Sponge and Ichibi? Huh? <laughs> Victor and Ichibi? Maybe Victoria it was the delivery. Sponge. <laughs> Thanks. Um, Jill Scott ish oatcakes. Oh. Oh, oh, I like that one. I like that one too. Along that theme, I've got Romelu Lukaku's Belgian buns. Yes, linked, mm. but maybe not an. Maybe not a wordplay. Uh, what next? John Terry's chocolate orange cake. Okay. Hey, what's wrong with that one? Oh, it's just it's just a bit branded. It's it's just a bit branded, isn't it? It's just just it's, it's just a bit commercialised version yeah. of a cake. Come really. on. What about the roots of baking? You'd never get on Bake Off a te- John Terry's chocolate orange cake, would you? Well, you never know. You know no. exactly. No, you, you just don't you know. Every, you get everything on there. What about going back to basics? Bready Lumberg. Yes. Oh, if we're going down the bread route, I'm going to save a couple of those for later because I didn't know if they were allowed. I thought Have it might be sweet me? goods. Well, um, carry on. Well, with, with with the bread because there's an uh, obvious one here, isn't there for you? For me? Yeah. Oh, oh I don't know. Well, I I got nanny bread. Mm, no, yeah, possibly. No, yeah, and. I've got, Go on. Pitta Odden Wingy? No. No, you, you can't have that one. I'd got <laughs> Matt, I'd got Matt wow. Doherty. Wow. Oh, yeah, that's good. That's yeah? good. Yeah. Yeah, that's to, to be good. fair, you should have got that one. How about Scott Brownie or Wes Brownie? Oh, yeah. Mm. What yeah. about Andre hey. Sivichenko? Get it? Siv- oh, Siv. Oh, Siv. yes. Andre yeah. Sivichenko. How about, how about Titus Bramble Apple Pie? Bramble Apple Pie. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Possibly. Um, David Bacon? <laughs> yeah. I have stolen one that I found on the internet, which Gosh. is really good. S- stolen? That is a cake as well. Stolen. Okay. <laughs> right up there. <laughs> no. It's, it's Howard Kendall Mint Cake. No. You can't have more, like, more of your commercial things there. Oh. Terry's I thought that was good. Kendall Mint Cake. Well, I'm Harry running out here. Sugar Cane. Harry Sugar Cane. Mm-hmm. That's sugar good. Sugar Cane what, though? Mm-hmm. It doesn't no, matter, okay. does it? Just it's sugar just sugar cane. cane. I asked if the Totally Football League show Sam Parkin counts and then producer Rabby revealed that she didn't know what Parkin was. Oh, no, she's, she's biffed me out of that one then. Um, Peter Pear and Stilton Tart. No, maybe. Hayley? <laughs> That's it from me. That's it. Um, and then on. I have got one more. Okay. But Mark Overmars Bar Brownie? No, again, what? you can't have commercial. Mm. I could go on, you're going with your Terry's, your Mars bars, your Kendall Mint cakes. It's, these aren't real cakes. Um, I've got a manager for us, by the way, guys, uh, managed by Napoli's Gennaro Gattoso. 
Gatto, so yeah. Gatto, yeah. yeah. Yeah, do you like it? Yeah. Oh, I actually quite like that. I think that's... Well, I think, I think oh, we've done all right there, haven't we? How about Phil Bapp? No. Well, if you've not been won over by Phil Bapp, uh, you may well be. Uh, if you weren't listening last week, and Hayley, you weren't with us, we have a surprise for you. We know it's been a long talent search to try and find the right kind of musician, vocalist to provide us with an Any Other Business theme tune. And I'm glad to say that someone came forward a few weeks ago and we are now able to introduce to you, Hayley, our Any Other Business (gasps) theme tune. Any other business? Any other business? Do you recognise that? What? The the voice of an angel just popping up there. (laughs) Wow. That is special. Who knew, Hayley? Wow. Who knew? Hopefully, uh, hopefully someone's going to adopt your vocal skills elsewhere. I mean, it would just be a shame for you to be used for this and this only, really, particularly when, you know, clubs release songs around FA Cup runs and, you know, title runs and, and, and everything else. So watch this space. Uh, as put, we know... I'll, yeah, I'll put my agent's details on my social media just <laughs> yeah, in case anyone do. needs to get in touch, you know. Perhaps you should launch your own SoundCloud account with this, <gasps> as you know, just start start sort of a MySpace thing going on. Yeah. Although, I don't think anyone uses MySpace anymore, do they? No, um, back on it. All right, well, listen, this is the short stories, any other business that you may have missed in the week. And I'd like some heartwarming ones, please. So I'd only like, I only want good ones, please, ladies, if that's okay. We've had loads of animals this week. I don't know if either of you have got the rundown on these, but there there was an alpaca, wasn't there? There was a parrot landing on um, a Brazilian women's player who had to be teased off with a football. That was brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I did very much enjoy the alpaca as well, which did did the rounds on social media. You should look it up, listeners, if you haven't seen it already, just to bring a bit of joy. What else have we got? You must have seen the fact that Ryan Reynolds is part of a group that is aiming to buy Wrexham FC. This was announced only a couple of days ago. I'm so excited by this because I'm a huge Ryan Reynolds fan anyway. And then the fact that he could he could be a football owner. Does that mean that this is an easy way to get an interview? Oh, well, possibly. He'd have to do some press, wouldn't he, around it maybe? Um, You'd hope. And- I bet the, um, well, in fact, the Wrexham fans signed it off immediately, didn't they? They, they were like, yep, that's absolutely fine. <laughs> we can authorise that. There was a special general meeting that was held, actually. 1,223 Wrexham supporters, trust members, with 95% of those asked about the club takeover, voted for the move. Just 31 against it. So that was a special meeting. I loved the um, tweet that someone put out saying, you know, you never know when Ryan Reynolds is going to turn up in Wrexham, wink. And this was in October 2012. (laughs) And then Ryan Reynolds was like, yep, you never know. And he was like, eight years later. No way. Um, He said, I've been waiting. Waiting, yeah, I've been waiting eight years to reply to this tweet or something, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, very <laughs> How funny. How random. Um, some good news for um, Australian football fans or just football fans in general. There was a bit of a backlash, um, wasn't there, because the Australian team's national kit wasn't going to be available in women's sizes until sometime uh, in 2022 because of the stir caused on social media. The new kits, which are made by Nike, um, are now going to be available in female sizes much earlier, so from next year. So well done, Nike and everyone involved for listening to that kits absolutely should be made available in women's sizes so pat on the back for that one Hayley 
Um, what about Take 5 magazine, you know, the big glossy publication? Well, a little story popped up in there and it came from um, an Arsenal fan. Now, it's a couple that live in Australia and they have named their daughter. Well, they had a daughter two years ago, actually. <laughs> they named their daughter Lanesra. And the father decided that that was the name that he liked. He thought it was unique. His wife agreed. But in the magazine, Claire Smith of Blacktown, New South Wales, said to Take Five magazine, we chose our daughter's name, Lanesra, because it was unique and romantic. It wasn't until she was two that my husband told me it was actually his favourite soccer team, <laughs> Arsenal, spelt backwards. <laughs> and then her husband tweeted the story and lo and behold, his Twitter name is Arsenal Cannon Picks. And he basically <laughs> collects images of Arsenal over the years. So there foiled. you go. Absolutely Very clever. Mm-hmm. It is a nice name though, isn't it? Ezra. Yeah, it's, 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 yeah. it's a bit different. Anything else from you, Lindsay? I don't think that I'm going to let it slide, Kate will say. I've waited until the end of the show, but there has been a bit of transfer news. Um, Diogo Jota has gone to Liverpool. Yes. Don't think I'm going to let it go. (laughs) I am going to miss him immensely. Are you going to pay me back at another time? Yes, I (laughs) will. Stealing our players. Well, Um, listen, yes, good news. Good news for us. Uh, Yeah, very, very good. Very, very good news. I am. I do apologise for that, Lindsay. But, you know, wolves can feel massively flattered by that, right? Well, we'll take the 41 million. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. We'll take the 41 million. That's fine. I mean, we've held on to Traore and Jimenez and Neves. So that's okay. And we're we're, we're buying players from Barcelona at the moment. So (laughs) got bigger fish to fry. It's fine. All right, well, on that note, we should wrap things up. Thanks for listening, folks. And to you, Hayley and Lindsay, for getting involved as ever. Lindsay, how does someone access us on Twitter and Instagram? On Twitter, it's at OffsideRulePod, and it's exactly the same on Instagram. Yeah, OffsideRulePodcast.com is the website address. Hayley, have you got a bumper week ahead? What day is it? I um I have a couple of shifts on Sky Sports News where we're trying to figure out how we're going to keep the channel running until the end of the year with so few people in the office. So to, it's a bit of a headache at the moment, but I'll have a couple of days off over the weekend to enjoy with yeah. the little one before she turns one. What the heck? Oh how my goodness, wow. that's happening very, very wow. soon, isn't no, it? No, right. Holy smokey. And where are you this weekend, Linz? Uh Full weekend this weekend. I'm at Palace against Everton and then West Ham against Wolves. So if it goes ahead, because there have been positive COVID tests with David Moyes, haven't there, at West Ham? Yeah, so the team members, yeah. So, yeah. Um, all right, well, listen, I hope we've provided a little bit of joy to your day, listeners. Do look after yourselves. Do take care. We're going to be back next week. Of course we are. So until then, goodbye. You've been listening to The Offside Rule, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Keep up to date with everything Offside at OffsideRulePodcast.com and by following at OffsideRulePod on Twitter and Insta. Check out all of The Athletic's football podcasts on Apple, Spotify and the usual places or listen ad-free on The Athletic app. The Offside Rule is a Muddy Knees Media production. I'm Adam Leventhal and I'm here to tell you about the latest podcast from The Athletic, Beyond the Headline. We're going to be taking an even deeper look at some of the extraordinary stories that have captured the football world. It just looks like the most sort of miserable marriage. It's, it's been a loveless marriage from, from day one, really. 
we've got the most authoritative voices in football to take you right to the heart of the action. That season was just such a toxic, I mean, it's the most unbelievable season I think I've covered and, you know, there have been a few of those. It all starts on September 21st with a three-part special on Newcastle United and the takeover that never was. The lack of ambition in the club in the last 10, 12 years has flattened people in this in this city. I think it could be a legacy lost. That's Beyond the Headline, the latest podcast from The Athletic, available wherever you get your podcasts or get it ad-free via The Athletic app. Muddy News. Media. Sports Social Podcast Network.